This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us again. I have not talked a lot about Pride Month yet. I know you're disappointed in me, right? No, maybe you don't want to hear about it. Well, it's Pride Month now. It's not even Gay Pride Month anymore because Pride is the word of the century, I suppose, which is very interesting when you look back at the beginning of Genesis. What was the original sin? Pride. Well, we'll get into that in more detail, but I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on during Pride Month, which on the one hand is not a lot because you've had a lot of virtual get-togethers because of COVID. I guess you can't get together for your regular Pride Month activities, which is a bonus, although I don't know why you can't get together for your Pride Month activities when you can get together to call for the Marxist revolution in America. But at any rate, we have some stories related to the cancel culture that is so associated with Big Gay and its pressure tactics. Here's the story via Fox. A prominent conservative publisher is now alleging that Amazon has suspended a paid ad campaign for one of its books, which is called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Yeah, I bet Amazon doesn't like that too much. They are claiming it contains objectionable content about sexual orientation. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you mean it's objectionable for a man to think that he's a woman or a woman to believe that she's a man? Probably not. But Amazon's advertising support service put out an email defending its decision to suspend the campaign for this book written by Abigail Schreier, who has been outspoken on this issue. And according to the description, it warns that ideas surrounding gender are promoting teenage girls to disfigure their bodies with courses of testosterone. Yes, absolutely. A spokeswoman or spokesman said the ad itself wouldn't have displayed the book description, but simply buying options along with a photo of the cover. Amazon didn't respond to repeated requests for comment, but in an email the publisher provided and said was sent by Amazon, Amazon said it contains elements that may not be appropriate for all audiences, which may include ad copy, book content that infers or claims to diagnose, treat, or question sexual orientation. Why can't you question sexual orientation? Oh yeah, the Bostock decision. I forgot. We can't question this anymore. Equality, baby. Hence, this campaign, they went on to say, will not be allowed to be advertised. So it's cancel culture. Amazon, the world's biggest seller of books, is rapidly turning into the censor of books. Is Mein Kampf still for sale? Communist Manifesto? Can you get that on Amazon? Because I can think of that and a number of other books that you might want to censor first before a book that's going to help people see the propaganda behind the transgender ideology that is shoved down our throats on a daily basis. Here's another example of the cancel culture pertaining to the transgender ideology. You know Walt Heyer. Walt Heyer was on my show. He's been on my show a number of times, but he's given his testimony. Wonderful man of God. He had the whole thing with the transgender deal. He went through 
through the surgery and he had been messed up by his grandmother, putting him in dresses when he was a little boy. He told his whole testimony on my show not that long ago, but now YouTube has removed a video of Walt Heyer featuring his testimony from a former transgender identifying woman. And why is this? He violated the company's hate speech policy. It's his personal story. Whatever happened to my truth? Isn't it my truth? My truth is, if I were Walt Heyer, my truth is that I was deceived into believing that I was actually a little girl and I was so deceived that I went through this body disfiguring surgery to become a girl and then lo and behold, I realized that I wasn't a girl and I had it all reversed and I'm telling the story so I can help other people not fall into this insane propaganda the way I did and I want to talk about Jesus Christ and what he did in my life. Nope, can't have it up there. Nope, 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 nope. Now the Heritage Foundation, which put out the video, is fighting back with a new video and Walt Heyer is doubling down in it. He emphasized, I said that children suffering from gender dysphoria should not be encouraged to try experimental hormones and surgery, and I stand by that statement. The seven-minute clip, which Heritage will publish on YouTube, includes footage of Heyer's remarks from the original panel with the allegedly hateful six-word violation bleeped out like a curse word. The panel, which was convened last October, was billed as a summit on protecting children from sexualization. So I'm glad to see that they're going to fight back a little bit. It's just funny. Everybody has to have their truth except Christians. We can't tell the truth. We can't tell the truth about sexuality as God actually created it. Male and female as God actually created them. Now, in order to advance this ideology, you have the Supreme Court ignoring words on a page and also breaching the Constitution by legislating rather than actually interpreting the law, which is the role of the judiciary. And who's going to do anything about it? It doesn't matter anymore. What's going on? We are in something of a cult. That's my opinion. We're in something of a cult. Some of us have not drunk the Kool-Aid. Praise the Lord. The only thing keeping us out of this mentality, I think, in many respects, is the Lord God Almighty, who's keeping our minds straight because we have the word of God to turn to. Who knows what's going to go on there down the road when we see states like California at one time wanting to ban the Bible potentially as you know, a fraudulent document because it says that you can leave homosexuality behind. I know they said, oh, that wasn't in the language of the bill. What was it, AB 2948? Yeah, but if you're going to start banning books based on the fact that they go against your transgender ideology or your homosexual ideology, then eventually you'll have to get around to banning the Bible because where do you think we get the truth from? At any rate, there's a good article here in Spiked Online, How Trans Ideology Took Over. And it's really interesting because I guess in the UK, the government is expected to drop plans to allow transgender people to change their birth certificates without a medical diagnosis and to put into place new protections to safeguard female-only spaces, such as prisons. So that's kind of an interesting development. I don't know how long it's going to take for the United States to follow suit. Right now we're going down the wrong train, but... Uh, It's interesting to see in this particular article that they're talking about strategies that were consciously adopted by key figures within the transgender movement that has allowed this movement in a little more than two decades to morph from transgender, meaning a term representing individuals to one signifying a powerful political ideology that is driving significant social change. Because it's not just about the LG anymore or the B. It never really was about the B. But then you just tack the T on to the end. And boy, now we're talking. We got Bruce Jenner in a corset. 
I mean, you got real social change going on here. So this writer says some interesting things. One masterstroke by transgender activists was the refusal to debate. The refusal to debate. Any attempt at rational discussion, any recognition that there may be competing rights at stake was met by accusations of calling into question the right of transgender people to exist. Nobody said they couldn't exist. What we've said is you have some mental problems and you need a health professional to intervene. We don't need to let you into the opposite sex bathrooms. All of society does not to be does not need to be transformed simply because you're confused. You need help, just like an anorexic would need help because that girl may think she's fat, and in fact, she's not fat. She just has a distorted view of the world. Another even more shameful ploy was hiding an adult agenda behind concern for the plight of children. Oh, yeah, we've seen this. For activists in the transgender movement, the existence and increasing visibility of transgender children provided evidence for their claims that transgender people are born that way and that identifying with a different gender to your anatomical sex is an intrinsic part of a person's psyche. The beatification of transgender children as vulnerable but brave and politically progressive rubbed off on their defenders. And this in turn provided transgender adults with a layer of protection from criticism and questioning and legitimized demands being made of educators, health professionals, and policymakers. But the actions taken by a small number of transgender activists, no matter how calculating, are not sufficient to explain the widespread reshaping of social institutions and cultural conventions in recent years. What's the reason for the acquiescence, the rise of identity politics? And advocating on behalf of the transgender community allows others to be associated with this identity-driven challenge to convention. No, what it is is Gnosticism. We have known about Gnosticism for centuries. This was fought by the early church, and it was a really important fight because it was that who you are within is who you really are, and the material world is not important. And that's just not at all true. We know that that's not true. It's a heresy. We're going to come back on Janet Mefford today. More ahead. Stay with us. The Ministry of Preborn is dedicated to helping save preborn babies from abortion through ultrasound. And every day, preborn is on the front lines competing with Planned Parenthood for babies' lives. Here's Dan Steiner, president of Preborn. Planned Parenthood, who generated recently over $190 million in net revenue, violated the terms of the payroll protection plan by taking over $80 million of COVID relief funds. Meanwhile, Preborn has received no government funding and many of our center's revenue is down. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. Would you join Preborn in the cause for life? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, just call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you. 
Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $199 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more by calling 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or visit libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. We're talking a little bit about how trans ideology took over. Spiked Online has a good piece on this by Joanna Williams, director of the Freedom, Democracy, and Victimhood Project at Civitas. And the name of the book is The Corrosive Impact of Transgender Ideology. One of the things that she says in this article is, why in the world did we acquiesce so easily to this insane thought pattern that somehow men and women can be the opposite sex simply by dressing as such and telling people I'm the opposite sex. It's total fiction and it's all in the head. And a lot of these people are very troubled and need help. But we just all kind of rolled over and died about it. And we saw in the Bostock decision of just a few days ago that even the Supreme Court has lost its mind. When the whole society loses its mind over something so basic and obvious as biological sex, how do you fight back? How do you argue? Well, in the case of the media, what they do is they just eliminate anybody else's point of view because that's what's easiest. You just continue to trumpet the exact same narrative over and 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 don't let the average American ever hear the other side of the story. You have to actually come to shows like mine or alternative media in order to get the truth about LGBT ideology and all the dangers and all of the lies that this ideology and the people who promote it, have been putting out there for many, many years. So I was listening to this interview done over at NPR by host Michelle Martin, Reflections on What Makes This Pride Month So Significant. And I thought, oh, this is going to be good. I want to play some of this for you so you can hear it for yourself. The host kicks things off by asking a question of Christy Mallory, who is state and local policy director at the Williams Institute at UCLA Law School, focusing on LGBTQ issues. And she said this about the Boston decision. This is cut one. The Supreme Court issued this historic ruling in the Bostock case, writing for the majority. Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote, quote, an employer who fires an individual for being homosexual or transgender fires that person for traits or actions it would not have questioned in members of a different sex, end quote. So basically, that means that LGBTQ discrimination in the workplace is the same as sex discrimination and therefore illegal. So what's your reaction to this decision? You know, initially, yes, I have to say I was so surprised. Um, But after I sort of had a moment to reflect on the decision and and read the court's reasoning, I realized that it it actually wasn't all that shocking. Um, You know, so many lower courts have already held that gender identity discrimination in particular is a form of discrimination based on sex and is therefore prohibited by existing non-discrimination laws that include that characteristic sex. And lower courts have have now sort of also increasingly recognized that discrimination based on sexual orientation is also a form of 
sex discrimination. So this decision from the Supreme Court um, really just affirms that those other decisions were correct. This didn't come out of nowhere. This came out of, of years of these cases building and finding that LGBT plaintiffs were protected under existing non-discrimination laws. So in other words, the lower courts ruled in insane fashion. And so the Supreme Court in ruling in the same insane fashion is justified because these lower courts were similarly insane. That's some kind of argument there. It's no argument. It's just propaganda. Then the host turns to a drag queen by the name of Jay Clapp. I can't even tell you Jay Clapp's drag queen name because I think it's unmentionable on Christian radio. This is a man who's executive director of the LGBTQ Center for Durham, North Carolina and chair of Pride Durham. And this was his reaction. Cut to. How did you react to the decision, by the way? And and is the question of workplace discrimination something that you find in your activism and in your life is still a real and present danger? So I'm super fortunate that I work at an organization that specifically serves LGBTQ plus people. But when I found out, I have to tell you, I was shocked. I had to call someone and say, is this real? When we got marriage equality, everyone was very pleased. But For a lot of people, especially younger folks who are still trying to make it into their careers or older folks who have seen the world, there's still the concern of how do I get to keep my job? And so, of course, I was moved to tears, but I'm also black and I didn't have enough time to celebrate that victory because there's so much more going on in the world. And so for me, it was, okay, take a moment, cry, celebrate that. That was a huge win, but we're not done. Ooh, that's an interesting thing. We're not done. Right, because they're never done. There's never going to be a moment where they say we're done. Never, ever, ever, ever. And did you catch that part where he mentions a lot of people are still wondering, how do I get to keep my job? Let me tell you, folks, I've been following this for 11 years. The only cases I have ever seen in the last 11 years of people losing their jobs for being homosexuals or for being transgenders were in Christian or Catholic schools. That's it. Now, I might be missing something, but I would actually argue that LGBT people are probably the most protected class when it comes to nobody will fire you for being in that protected class. Uh, Are you kidding me? But again, this is one of those things that's put out there. We're victims, we're victims, we're victims. How can you be victims and victims and victims when you have more power than pretty much anybody in this culture? It's getting a little thin, that argument, when they dominate everything. Now, here is another clip. This is going back to this Christy Mallory. Listen to this. Cut three. On the one hand, we're seeing this decision in some incredible progress. In some of the states, we're seeing um, even more progressive movement um, towards securing LGBT rights. So, for example, we're seeing some states pass laws that ban use of the gay and trans panic defense. We're seeing some states prohibit bans on the use of conversion therapy on minors by licensed healthcare practitioners. We're seeing some states enact their own non-discrimination laws that protect LGBT people from discrimination. But on the other hand, we're seeing a lot of pushback. We're seeing some states attacking LGBT rights and opposing LGBT rights. And it, it seems to be laws that are hostile towards transgender people in particular. Yeah, but there's never a discussion here about why there is so much pushback occurring. And it's because giving hormones to kids may be a really bad idea in the long run. There may be a problem with people who have little kids in schools who don't want kids of the opposite sex in their locker rooms or their bathrooms. The whole thing is framed as if there are no other Americans who have any rights at all. 
These rights have to trump everything. Oh, these poor victims. So I want to go back to the drag queen. There's a bit of an odd interaction here. Listen to cut four. It is so hard to think about leaving your house and going and celebrating your pride when you also have to think about the number of people who continue to be murdered just for the color of their skin. And that has really put me in an interesting place. I'm an activist. I go out. I want to be the voice for the people around me and to stand up. But also, this is a really traumatic time for a lot of people of color. And for Black people particularly, you're having to watch the news, stay enraged, but also care for yourself, all while you're supposed to be remembering why we've been fighting all of these years and also celebrating that. And that's just been a really hard month. And to think about the fact that my exceptionally brilliant, ex- exceptionally humorous brother was having a difficult day and had a difficult run-in with a police officer, and that ended his life. And I just don't think that a police officer should be able to make that type of judgment where he can go, hmm, I don't feel comfortable right now, so here are eight bullets. That is so shocking to me. And that's what I mean when when we have these celebrations over these wins, we have to remember we're not all free yet. We're not done fighting. And that is why I try to keep going out there. And that is actually why my drag persona is what it is, is I really dug deep after my brother to pour my art into my drag and to focus on the queer community because my brother was LGBTQ plus as well. All right. A lot in that clip. But what you're seeing there is the identity politics that Joanna Wallace was talking about in the Spiked Online article. Identity politics is what is pushing this transgender movement forward the way it is. And here he is talking about his drag queen persona, his brother who was killed in a police incident. I have no idea what happened in that particular case, although it is very sad to lose your brother. But he's poured his identity into his drag queen stuff because his brother was killed as a person of color. And you're kind of like, what? What does this have to do with anything? Well, it's Again, when you combine the victimhood, and I'm not saying that his brother wasn't necessarily a victim, but you you push together all these identity politics statements to create an impression in people's minds, which is you have people who are victimized and you have people who are mistreated. And so therefore, drag queens should have just as much a say as anybody else. Now, one more clip I want to play from this Jay Clapp, this drag queen, who's asked, what is one thing you think we should all be thinking about as we think about Pride Month? This is cut five. I see pride a little like a revival where you're shoring up your spirit and your energy around your beliefs, right? And so pride is an opportunity to remember all of the victories we've had, but also the battles we still have in front of us. And the reason I frame it that way is because yesterday was Juneteenth, and it is a good opportunity for us to learn. Yes, just because this decision just came down from the Supreme Court doesn't mean that people will actually start listening to it and will not discriminate in new and creative ways. And it might take some time for us to truly see that change. Now, I can't give the drag queen's name. Just the first name that he goes by as a drag queen is Vivica. So I'll just say Vivica. But in the four years, I found this story here from Indie Week about Vivica and Vivica's drag queen exploits, I guess. In the four years since uh, he began doing this, they say that this drag queen has made a powerful figure in Durham's vibrant queer culture. And there's a quote here from Clapp. 
that says we put forward a social justice bent with a focus on humor, enthusiastic consent, anti-racism, anti-transphobia, anti-misogynistic, whatever, just basically trying to create an environment for everyone. And I think anyone who has been to our shows has felt comfortable unless they're a bigot. Right. And then the story goes on to say later on, sometimes Clap has to take control when a heckler goes too far during the drag queen show and uses bigoted or otherwise unacceptable language. And as Vivica, Clap never hesitates to call out inappropriate behavior. <laughs> inappropriate behavior from a man dressed as a woman doing a drag queen show. He's the arbiter of inappropriate behavior calling out hecklers. We are in one messed up world. Pray, pray, pray for this country. We're going to come back on Janet Mefford today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. Well, if you hold strongly to the authority of God's Word on the issue of creation, then at some point you might have been called a science denier. Does that sound familiar? These days, even some people in the church might lodge that charge against you. So how should we respond to that charge and others as Christians who must above all defend and believe the Bible while also understanding the real role of science? We're going to talk about that today with Christopher Gieschen, who has been a biology, earth science, and English teacher and holds a master's in science education from Indiana University. He's out with a new book we're going to be discussing, Is Evolution Compatible with Christianity? Chris, it's great to have you with us. How are you? Hi there, Janet, and uh, thanks for having me on your show. And uh, all your listeners, I bring you greetings in Jesus' name. Oh, amen. Love to have you here. Thank you so much. You say you believe in evolution in a limited sense, but not how the evolutionists would like you to believe it. So in what sense would you say you believe in limited evolution? Okay, um, I think one of the reasons that people might want to be considering purchasing my book is because I talk about evolution as it should be talked about. Now, being a Christian, I talk about evolution right. And Janet, the looks I get from my fellow believers when I, you know, I say evolution right and they know me. And they're going, huh, come again? (laughs) Evolution right is what, I guess in the old days, we used to call speciation or microevolution. Yes. I mean farmers do that. So that is scientifically true. But the other side of the coin, if there's evolution right, well, then there's evolution wrong. Sure. And evolution wrong says, I am mutated pond scum. <laughs> now, Janet, when I say that phrase, mutated pond scum, the evolutionist eyes pop out of their heads and they screw up their face. They don't like that at all because they prefer it to be called primordial protocells. Yeah, it sounds better. <laughs> um, but Janet, if we look at primordial protocells, what would we see? 
pond scum. So there you go. There it is. Uh, just in, in, in its reality, it's, it's pond scum. They need to accept that. But, you know, <laughs> sure. it, but it's important for people to understand how, how critical this is, because you say based on God's word, the Lord did not use evolution to create the world. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. We know what the word of God says. Why is that important for people to understand, especially in this time we're living in? Okay, I have a couple of reasons for that. Very quickly, young people today, whether they're graduates, even in today, you know, in June, they're graduates from eighth grade going into high school, or they're graduating high school going into college. If you have a Christian son or daughter or grandchild in that situation, do you know that they're entering the lion's den? Yeah. They are, most of them are going to be going not to a Christian school at all, but rather to a public university. And there are going to be teachers and profs hostile to the idea of Jesus or faith or whatever. Now, the book is going to instruct them on how to stay true to God's Word, because the number one reason why, and there have been studies showing this, why teenagers give up Christianity, is because their profs and teachers tell them they cannot have Genesis. Hmm. Well, we've got to equip our youth with the truth, if that, you know, is allowed a rhyming statement in there. Yes. So we need to equip them with the armament they need to not only share the truth, you know, with others, but Janet, when Christians talk about Jesus, I'm, that's all great, but you got to meet them where they are. If they don't, if they think the book is a book of fairy tales, okay, well, how do you approach them? You deal with them by dealing them on their terms with evolution and showing how there's evolution right and evolution wrong. Yes. Well, Another, that's right. Uh, okay. Do I have time for one more quick story? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I can tell you that God is using this book in interesting ways. At the high school I taught at in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Lutheran High School, mm-hmm. we had Chinese visiting students come to our school, like about seven or eight of them. And about two or three years ago, I had one of them in my biology classroom. Now, as the year was going on, she obviously learned that I was an out loud Christian. And yet then she came to me after class one day and said, Mr. Gieschen, how can you be a biology teacher? And I just kind of smiled and said, well, why not? And she said, evolution. See, even the atheists know that evolution is a stumbling block and a problem. Yeah. So I just said, well, keep listening, and eventually, toward the end of the unit, she's no longer an evolutionist, but Janet, the surprise comes later. She told me that after I gave her a copy of my book, she began translating sections of it, sending it to her Chinese science teacher over in China. Oh, wow. (laughs) I know. That's (laughs) great. But Janet, that's how our God works. He uses people like me from a little tiny town of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm reaching people in China. Okay. That's neat. That Only he can do that. That's so awesome. Well, let's talk yes. about some of these statements that you mentioned that are false, because I think this is a good way for a lot of us to wrap our minds around this. You say, and I agree, false statement that Christians are science deniers when it comes to evolution. How do you answer the charge of you're a science denier? Clearly, Bible-believing Christians made science possible, so that's just... That's just kind of a silly thing to say in the first place. But how do you refute that myth? Okay, well, now that you mentioned my first talking point for me, that's okay. 
without science, um, I'm sorry, without Christianity, science would not exist. There are other um, areas of the world in our ancient past who gave us like mathematics and you know, philosophy, et cetera, et cetera. But science began in Europe in the medieval times and the early Renaissance, you know, 1700s around there. It's also interesting to note that Galileo's enemies were not the church. That is a myth. Hmm. And my book explains that, how it was the scientists of his day who got their underwear in a knot and used the church to do their dirty work. Um, I would also go on to say that science, all it points to is a designer. So, Janet, science is limited. It cannot tell you where things come from originally. Now, one final point, and I want your listeners to maybe use this with their teachers if they have them, is that it's rather interesting that the evolutionist will use intelligently designed experiments to show that there's no intelligent designer. Well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, In what way? Give me an example. Okay, for example, um, if we talk about the origin of life experiments or when they try and work with DNA or whatever, they design an experiment with carefully controlled conditions so they know exactly what they're doing. It's, it's very, very precisely designed. In other words, it's nothing like the natural world. Yeah. So, you know, temperatures, control, pressure, you name it, multitude factors are all kept carefully controlled, and nature doesn't do this. And yet they're telling us that these random chemicals in this primordial stew or this warm, fuzzy pond came together and put together a message called DNA. And Janet, I'm telling you that the scientists, even the evolutionists, you read the bio books that even I've taught from, they talk about DNA as a, a specifically set of coded instructions um, I'm sorry, don't you need a mind to come up with specifically, you know, encoded instructions? You think yes. so? Yeah. So, so Janet, science points to a designer. Now, it's true, the Bible takes us the rest of the way of who that designer is. Yes, right. So we know about God in general revelation, as Romans 1 talks about, but we learn about special revelation through his word. And the Bible never mentions evolution in the beginning chapters of Genesis. And then we hear from people who are pro-evolutionists, even in the church, they say, well, yeah, well, we got to read between the lines and maybe it's all spiritualized. But isn't that a dangerous approach? God's word says what it says. Oh, exactly. And if it's a dangerous approach and these people think science is everything, I like to talk to these, and I'm not going to judge their faith, but I'll call them Christian evolutionists. Okay, that's who they are. You know, God's going to judge them, not me. But I simply say, okay, you're so big on science. Science says that people do not rise from the dead. (laughs) Explain to me Jesus on Easter. (laughs) And of course, then they, oh, well, it was a spiritual resurrection. Oh, right. And I'm going, um... (laughs) What did Jesus say? He said, Thomas, touch me. Uh, You cannot touch a spirit. He ate. Um, You know, he was cooking fish. Janet, there are multitude examples. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Well, we're going to take a pause here. Chris Geeshan with us. Is evolution compatible with Christianity? We'll come right back on Janet Meffer today. Hi, this is Kurt Cameron, and I am honored to be partnering with the Ministry of Preborn to help moms choose life. 
Actor Kirk Cameron supports preborn. My four oldest children were adopted. That is because of caring and compassionate people who help those young mothers choose life. My wife is an adopted child and her birth mother chose life for her. If it weren't for those caring individuals that help those young moms value the sacredness of life, I wouldn't have my wife, I wouldn't have my four adopted children, and the two natural born children that we have wouldn't exist either. My whole family is here because of people that are involved with ministries like Preborn. Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion-minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% of the time, they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Mefford today to support the ministry of Preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. One ultrasound is just $28 and every gift helps. To donate, please call now 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. All gifts are tax deductible and 100% of your gift goes directly towards saving babies. You can get involved and you can help save a life for a gift of $140. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Please call now with your gift, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-BABY. 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Great to have you with us and great to have with us Chris Geeshan. His book is, Is Evolution Compatible with Christianity? It's a very important question these days, Chris. Well, let me ask you this. You've got another myth here where you talk about the idea that real science actually lines up more with evolution than the Genesis account of creation. Can you comment on why that's a myth? How does real science line up more compatibly with Genesis than it does with evolution. What would be some highlights that you would point out? I would point out, for example, that um, we talk about that everything has a beginning. For example, there's something, and as a former biology teacher, I used to teach this to my students. It's called the biogenetic law or the law of biogenesis, which says that life comes from life. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. And that makes sense. It's what we see. We don't see cows, poof, you know, appearing in the meadow. They are created by former cows. So life comes from life. And then you talk to them and say, well, where did the first life come from? And that's when they get their uh, underwear to nod again and try and huff and puff. And they say, "Um, well, you see, things were different back then in, in origins, which has nothing to do with biology or I'm sorry, with evolution. And well, yes, it does. And I can get to that also. But basically... When you say that, well, then it had to be God who did it because God is alive. Therefore, God follows a scientific law. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, then they say, who made God? And the easy response, Janet, is if God could be made, would he be God? Right. No. No. So logically, Christianity is the only answer to how we got here in the Bible. I agree. 
Yeah, I agree completely. That's very important. And they really do get tripped up on this question of when you talk about uh, everything organizing itself this way or that and the Darwinian evolutionary principles are put into play here and there and everywhere. And then you go back to that fundamental question, where did the matter come from? They, yes. they, they don't want to talk about that. Oh, well, you know, we got all the other stuff figured out. Yeah, the matter is not a problem. It's, a, it's everything, is it not? If you can't even understand where the material came from by which everything we see that exists came into being, then, you know, why would I turn to you for life's answers? It doesn't make any sense. Well, yes, of course. And it's like the joke where, you know, the evolutionist finally gets to meet God and like, and it's really God. And so the evolutionist said, oh, well, you know, God, I can do what you did in Genesis. And God goes, really? And so the scientist goes out and digs up a pile of mud and goes back into the lab. And God goes, excuse me, make your own mud. That's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Now, on, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, now on the science question, there are a lot of people who talk about the scientific proof for evolution, Darwinian evolution. What about yeah. this false statement that fossils are evidence for evolution? How would you debunk that one? Okay, uh, it's fairly easy to debunk, and it's important to remember before I get to that, is that science has facts, no question. The problem, Janet, is that how we interpret the facts. Um, You've read Sherlock Holmes stories, I hope. You love Sherlock Holmes, yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a big fan of him. In fact, every chapter starts with a Sherlock Holmes quote that fits the chapter topic. That took a lot of research. (laughs) Anyway... So Holmes would have a set of facts, and Dr. Watson, God bless him, he tried and said, the butler did it. Well, I'm sorry, Sherlock Holmes says it was a little old lady down the street, and eventually Holmes is right. Mm -hmm. So facts are neutral, but where they point or what the facts say is called interpretation. Sure. Okay? So anyway, now that we've got that idea of interpretation, um, Bring me back to your original question. We were talking about, like, science and, oh, the fossils, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, fossils. It's important to understand that what we're finding out about fossils is fascinating. Like, we're finding actual tissue that is not decomposed. We are finding radioactive carbon, which is like carbon-14, okay? And um, that shouldn't be existing in these fossils if, you know, these fossils are millions of years old. Well, you know what they're saying? Well, what do you know? Fossils can, you know, and this tissue can do it. Look, we're finding it. Hmm. And I'm kind of going, you leave it alone in the lab, it rots in two weeks. What are you talking about? (laughs) So it's evidence for the flood. And there are numerous examples. And yeah, there's a chapter in my book on fossils. So um, I think evolution wrong is one of these fossils that should go extinct. Yeah. Well, you know, when we're talking about people in the church, there are those who will actually take the view that, oh, well, we can believe in theistic evolution. We can find a, a third way. We're not full-blown Darwinian evolutionists and atheists. Right. And yet we're right. not those dun- dunces who believe in six-day creation, which is a ridiculous right. thing. But what do you do with the theistic evolutionist who accepts the idea of billions of years? Okay, a couple of things. Theistic evolutionists should understand that there are extremely few evolutionists who will accept and allow God into the, how do you call it, origin of things story, because they've got to have naturalism. In fact, I don't know, Janet, if you've read a lot of science articles, but every once in a while, especially those dealing with evolution, 
the word nature is capitalized. Yes. In the middle of a sentence. Um, excuse me, why do you do that? Well, because Janet is, uh, nature is God to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So what you have to do with the theistic evolutionist is to have them, again, bring them back to the Bible. Oh, by the way, a good statement to talk to these people, especially those who, you know, don't really like science meddling so much and whatever. And I say, well, this, the Bible is supported by the science of archaeology. Uh, yeah, that, that turns them around real quick. So we have these people who believe millions and billions of years. What does that do with the Garden of Eden? Right. Because that means there was death and dying and disease before the Garden. And yes. what did God say? It was very good. And that means if there's no beginning, then there's no ending, which means you can't trust the beginning of the Bible, you can't trust the end. There And Janet, huge thing, what are you going to do with sin? That's right. Yeah, me, if we're, if we're again, mutated pond scum, there's no such thing as sin. We're animals. We just do what comes naturally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, God help us, Janet. There'd be no way for anybody to be saved if evolution's true. And God used evolution to do it. Um, favorite story, real quick, of what I used to tell my students is that when God did a miracle, or Jesus, you know, the walking of the water, mm-hmm. you remember he said, be still? Yes. If... Jesus works through nature. It would have taken about five hours for the storm to die down. When Jesus said, be still, it went from thunderhead skies to clear black night with the stars shining. It went from 60 mile an hour wind gusts to zero. It went from six foot waves to dead calm. And Janet, how much you want to bet their clothes were dry? Mm -hmm. That is God working. You read the next verse, what does it say, Janet? It says, they were terrified. <laughs> it I does can just see Jesus, you know, yes. well, if you want me to bring the storm back, I will. <laughs> I mean, so here we, we have, I think, a lot of problem with people who are theistic evolutionists is they're trying to make the other side happy. Yeah. But they should understand, Janet, they make nobody happy. And in fact, I don't even think they make God happy because they're messing with his Bible. Well, that's the point. That really is what it comes down to, because if you want to be worldly and and respectable, and I think there is some of that inclination with theistic evolutionists, they want intellectual credibility. They don't want to be seen as a bunch of backward, you know, rednecks who don't know anything and they look stupid. But the reality is that when you look over the course of history, Christians have always believed the the beginning chapters of Genesis. You know, Darwin, before Darwin, you know, what in the world did Darwin ask? add to the sum total of humanity other than setting the stage for eugenics and confusing a lot of people and drawing them away from the Lord. Well, and to be on a more timely pop, uh, topic, Janet, Darwin is the basis for racism. Of course, of course, the people, eugenics movement. People, yep. Well, we're not going to get into that can of worms, but Janet, um, that is a whole worthy topic to look at. And if you go to certain Christian websites, you know, they, they talk about that. That is really important. So you can check it out. Christopher Geeshan's book, Is Evolution Compatible with Christianity? Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, I just want to remind you, during these summer months, we want to continue to help preborn babies and save them from the scourge of abortion. And our friends at Preborn are really doing a great job. They're on the front lines when it comes to saving these precious children. And through your generous gifts, Preborn helps provide free ultrasounds to abortion-minded women across the country. So when that young mom 
mom who is faced with an unplanned pregnancy sees her baby on that free ultrasound, 80% of the time she's going to choose life. And without that ultrasound, one out of every three preborn babies will perish. One ultrasound costs just $28. And for a gift of $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds. Here's the number to call if you can help. 855-402-BABY. 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. As always, we thank you for being with us here on Janet Mefford today. God bless you. We'll see you next time.